0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of From Montana to Portugal, the podcast by Janelle Holden, myself, and it is all about how one couple, me and my husband Douglas, moved from Montana to Portugal this year in 2024. So we are now in Portugal uh, we have left Montana behind after uh, selling our house and selling all of our belongings and getting our dog over here to Portugal. So, today on this episode, I'm going to catch you up. We need to catch up. I have not done an episode since mid December, and there's a few reasons for that, which I'll share in a moment. And I have moved already to Portugal with Doug, and we have some thoughts. So, Today, on this episode, I'm going to share, I'm going to catch you up, and I'm going to share um, things that I love about Portugal, things that have frankly surprised me that I wasn't prepared for, uh, but that I still love. I'm just getting used to, and then things that I am looking forward to. So let's get into it. Um, Why have I been absent on this podcast for a couple of months now? For one thing, it's because my voice left me in December. So last episode, I was preparing all the paperwork for our dog Loki to go with me across the ocean on a ship and get to the UK and then to Portugal safely. I caught a cold, or it could have been long COVID laryngitis, or I could have just oversung, around Christmas Eve. So I sang a lot on the Christmas Eve um, service at in Stowe, Vermont. So we were staying in Stowe, Vermont, because we went through the Boston consulate and because we have family in New England, and they were kind enough to host us for quite a while, more longer than we expected. So we're very grateful to them. And I Uh, started going to the Episcopal Church in Vermont, and they asked me to sing for, to lead and do solos for the Christmas Eve service. And I found out you really can't sing over an organ. That is just not going to work out well. I couldn't hear myself well enough, and so I was over singing. Anyway, long story short is, right after that, I think I caught a cold, and I lost my voice, and podcasting was just not really something that I wanted to do because it was hard enough for me to kind of crackle my way through January. Um, February, I really got my voice back. And then by then we had, I had settled into uh, Portugal. So I got here on January 11th and it is close to the end of February today in 2024 and it has been a lot to get settled in and moved. I, I am so grateful. It has been really, really exciting. And we have done some things that I have visualized and wanted to do and have been on our bucket list for years. And so it's been almost surreal to have all of that happen. But it's been a process to get here. So I'll catch you up a little bit on what happened in in January and February. So beginning part of January, I caught a pet taxi from mid Massachusetts to Brooklyn, New York with Loki. And we were in a little red Fiat with another dog (laughs) of a large Golden Retriever, who was very sweet in the passenger side of that vehicle for almost a whole day, and Loki was in the back seat. Now, Loki is pretty good with other dogs, but he tends to kind of—he uh, can be a little. He sounds a little aggressive at first, and I think it's just because he's afraid of getting hurt. He's 15, and a lot of dogs want to play with him, and he doesn't want to play. That said. I have never had him in a car with a strange dog before. (laughs) So it was like, oh, how is this going to go down? Um, But it all worked out just fine. Uh, I can't remember his name, that dog, but he was so cute and uh, just panted away in the front seat while our driver, who is a lovely woman um, who started a pet taxi company a few years ago, and then her son now runs it, but she still does a lot of driving, drove us for the full day from uh, Western Mass into Brooklyn. And we had the the windows down for most of the way, which also contributed to me losing my voice, now that I think about it, because we were chatting the whole time about her business and how it got started and all the celebrity dogs that she transports around New York, which was pretty hilarious. And uh, we got into Brooklyn on new year's day and the next day was my birthday which was the first birthday in a very long time that i have not had snow uh it was warm in new york and i was taking loki to his final vet appointment to get the last part of his certificate done his animal health certificate and that whole process was incredibly stressful not gonna lie and everyone that I met who had animals on the ship also said the same thing, very stressful. <laughs> we were all just sweating whether we were going to get on that ship or not, whether all the I's were dotted and T's were crossed and um, the vets signed off on things. So in order to get to the into the UK, you have to have your dog wormed the, around the day before. There's a certain time period that you have to have it done and it actually cannot be any later than 24 hours. It's like between five days and 24 hours before boarding so he was right you know kind of up to the deadline of that and um, he did really well he got all his paperwork signed off on and then that evening I was just had the pleasure of seeing an old friend who I've known since college who lives in Manhattan and who took the subway over to see me and we had a sushi dinner in my room and celebrated being together again and a new year and a birthday and all that. It was really a great birthday. I was so grateful that Mary stopped in and um, just, she's phenomenal. So then the next day, the pet taxi picked us up again and drove us to the Queen Mary to docking point in Brooklyn. So Queen Mary 2 was the ship that we were on, run by Cunard. And my friend Marilee met me there. She flew in from Orlando and it's like everybody did a handoff, you know, who has Janelle now? Well Marilee got me for the next eight or nine days. We boarded on the January 3rd. We got off on the 10th and it was a voyage friends. It was a voyage. So the Queen Mary 2 is an ocean liner. It is meant for ocean crossings. And in fact, it does around the world voyages. And it was on an around the world voyage when I got on. And there were a lot of people on that ship who were going all the way around the world on the Queen Mary 2. So she's um, a phenomenal ship. I've been around for a very long time. Um, Run by a British captain who was um, very, um, how do I put this, loquacious about history and what was happening on the ship. Every day at noon, he would get on the intercom, and basically everything would stop as we heard the captain's report, which included the weather, maybe some activities that were happening, where we were in the ocean, and um, in particular, and one little beef that I have (laughs) was... They had a lot of of talk the first three to four days, at least, about the Titanic because we were going on basically the same route that the Titanic did, up to oh around the coast of Canada and then um, into that North Atlantic passageway that I guess all ships use. And so every it seemed like every day it was like we're this many kilometers from the Titanic. And today in history, this is what was happening on the Titanic. And I really didn't want to hear that much about the Titanic because it was a storm happening. There was a storm happening after we left um, Brooklyn. So it was nice weather when we left Brooklyn. I could clearly see the Statue of Liberty. It was quite an emotional parting of the United States for me. And... It was interesting to see it this way because my ancestors saw it the other way. They crossed the ocean from Europe and then got to see the Statue of Liberty as they were docking. Um, so it was nice weather. And then I'd say the next day, the captain got on the intercom and said, um, by the way, folks, there's you know a storm coming in. We're going to try to avoid the worst of it. Uh, but you should be aware that it should be 10 meter waves which 10 meters, for those of you who are in the U.S., is 33 feet. It is 33 feet waves. I mean, not small waves. And again, he reassured us, you know, the ship is meant for this, and we are quite safe, and no one really seemed to be that worried about it but me. (laughs) I was sick as a dog. Loki was doing great. We passed through the security point with all of his paperwork just fine. Um, but we had to go all the way up to the 12th floor to where he stayed in kennels during the entire voyage. So the dogs were kenneled in, you know, what you would consider traditional, if you went to the vet's office, like a, I'm I'm going to use the word cage, It's, it basically is a cage, um, at night and at certain times during the day. But the rest of the day, we had the ability to be with them in a waiting room. There were two waiting rooms and there was like a cooking area in one of the waiting rooms. And then there was a walkway plank around the outside edge of the Queen Mary where you could take your dogs to do quote unquote their business, which was hilariously called if they did number two, a 007. So you would yell out 007 over here. And (laughs) um, the kennel master's assistant or the kennel master would come out and help do cleanup. So we were pampered in that regard. But a lot of times, it was very windy up there. And you could see the seas roiling below you. And we were, you know, walking our dog it felt like a CNN weatherman, you know, just half 45 degrees to either left or right. And Loki was very brave. He rounded all the corners. And Did his business, finally. We all celebrated because the dogs couldn't quite tell that they were out, that they was okay to do it because they were outside but on a wooden plank. So it took them a while to get used to. But the dogs did it really, really well. The owners, on the other hand, and I'll just speak for myself, I think there was at least one or two felt like I did, that the storm was hard on me mentally um, and physically in all sorts of ways. Um... It was the first time I've been on a big ship. I didn't take Dramamine or something like that before I got on because I kind of wanted to see how I would do and I'm sensitive to a lot of medications, so I didn't want to add anything or get really sleepy or tired. But as soon as I got on the ship, basically, I got sick. And I think I may have had something to eat at the buffet that caused the sickness to start, but then it was definitely... Motion sickness, and merrily said to me, "You can't be sick. We haven't even left yet." And I was, I was definitely motion sick. I was, I was much more sensitive to it, I think, than the average person. Most people on the ship seemed to be just doing just fine, and almost all the people that had, um, there were fifteen dogs and three cats, and probably a set of owner for each animal. And almost everyone up there was doing just fine, other than me motion sickness wise, I was the most affected by it. And I really couldn't eat very much for the the first three to four days. I was basically having, I had some breakfast and then a little bit just kind of pecked at it. And then I had baked potatoes, plain, I just water and Candy ginger. I basically was living off of ginger ales and candied ginger, which fortunately they have a lot of on that chip because obviously people get motion sickness. So, uh, they took great care of us. Um, but I also had some significant anxiety. And then when I finally did take motion sickness pills, I broke out in hives and I think it was from the medication. So I stopped taking that and, <laughs> oh, it was just, It was just not so fun physically. Loki, on the other hand, was doing just fine. The dogs and the cats got special requests, let's say, special meals. So Loki got to have steak that was specially cooked for for them. No seasoning, no oils, just the steak or salmon or chicken. And we could cut it up with scissors into their bowls. And they had a feast. They had a great time. And later on in the trip, when my stomach started to settle, I did enjoy some really nice dinners. There were some excellent five-course, four-course meals that um, we got to enjoy together. So it wasn't like um, I starved the entire time, but definitely the first part of the trip was uncomfortable. So the waves were 10 meter or more, and on the Beaufort scale, which goes up to 12 apparently. And that is a scale that measures wind and sea levels and that uh, captains can use to talk about the conditions on the ocean and the sea. It only goes up to 12. 12 is hurricane force. And we were at 10 and 11 for, I'd say at least three to four days. And at one point I was getting up at five in the morning to let Loki out um, because he's older and his bladder doesn't hold as long as the other dogs. And I found all of the dog food and all of the chairs and everything in the middle of the kennel because a huge wave had hit the ship and knocked a whole lot of things over. It wasn't just that. It was there were dishes knocked over. There were things in people's rooms. No one got injured. Everyone was fine. We all lived through it. But it's unnerving. Let's put it that way. And I was just not used. I was like, I don't know what to expect here. Are we doing fine? And it snowed in the middle of the North Atlantic. The ocean was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And at one point, there was a very sunny day where we all were in such a good mood. There was sun out on the deck. We all walked and felt some relief. Um, so in the midpoint of the journey, we had a really nice sunny day and then it kind of got a bit rough again, but nothing in comparison to that first storm. But funny story, there was a woman on the ship who also had a, a dog and her family and she's from Germany and her family and her live in Florida and in Germany sort of part-time each six months or so, so each part of the year. And they are afraid of flying. So they only do ships to, or, you know, on ground transportation or ocean transportation to get from place to place. But she still was quite nervous about the storm as well. So she said, she came up to me, and she said, guess what? I talked to the captain and I said to him, Captain, I'm so thankful you got us through the storm safely. And he paused and he said, did you not like the snow, madam? I thought it was quite lovely. <laughs> the British sense of humor just cracks me up. That was so funny. The snow was beautiful and magical in its own way. <laughs> the waves, oh, tough for someone who doesn't really understand anything about what's going on to completely get through it. Um, that said, we did. I'm so glad I did it. I'm. It's a bucket list. If you haven't seen my YouTube video where I show you the inside of our cabin and um, actually I've got two videos about the ship. Uh, you should definitely go and watch that. I'll put that in the in the links, um, the show notes as well. So arrived in the UK and stayed overnight and then had to go to another vet appointment because of Brexit. So I'm going to blame this all on Brexit because in the past, if you got a UK health certificate, it would have been good for Europe as well because the UK was part of Europe. But now you have to get another certificate unless you have a pet passport and you really can't get a pet passport unless you're in, the, in Europe. What you get in the US and in the UK is an animal health certificate. So fortunately, we had almost everything done, but we had to drive in a very... Uh, lots of roundabouts right after getting off of the ship. And I was still fairly motion sick um, for, I'd say, at least an hour to get to the vet office. That's all they do is animal health certificates to and from Europe. And we still found mistakes. Um, So the vet and I went over the paperwork two or three times, finding different little things um, in order to get Loki across the English Channel into France and accepted into Europe safely. And, yeah, it's uh, also a nerve-wracking process, but this time was actually pretty easy. The next day, Marcel, my very kind pet taxi driver who took us from Southampton, UK, to Portugal, picked us up at the hotel at O Dark 30 And we drove to the channel entrance, which is basically a train under the ocean that goes from England to France. And you don't see anything, obviously. And I slept the entire way. So I really can't even tell you anything about the experience. I was so tired that as soon as we got into the channel, I basically just went asleep and so did Marcel because he needed, it was going to be a really long day It was two full days of 14 hours of driving to get us to Portugal. And we went through France, and then we went through Spain, and then we went from the eastern side of Portugal to the west coast, which is the silver coast, which is where we live now. And I got really emotional as we were coming across the border into Portugal. I think the whole feeling of wow the culmination of everything happening at that point and it was almost sunset and I was with Marcel but alone in the sense I wasn't with Doug and I felt really weepy about it and I cried and I called Doug and um, he encouraged me and we got to our place while it was raining and (laughs) Dark, and we had to drive up kind of really twisty roads because we're living at uh, a golf resort just southeast of, is that, it could be southeast? Yeah, southeast, I think, of Obidos, um, which is a medieval town. And I haven't been yet. I've mostly been to Rainha, which I am, I think, perfecting how to say that with a Portuguese accent. Um Caldas de is a city, a small city near us, but it has all the shopping that you could want. I mean, it has a Staples and I mean, I was so shocked to see Staples in Portugal. I was like, what? Of all stores to see here is Staples. And it's got, you know, the equivalent of Home Depot. It's got which is called Leroy Martin here. It's got um wonderful vegetable and fruit stands every day in the square. It has I don't know, probably five or six different chains of supermarkets. It has pretty much everything you could want in a city of only 33,000, I think. Uh, Maybe in the county there's 50,000. I'll have to go back and check. So if that's what I remember from what my uh, Bolt drivers have told me. So when we got here, I was pretty disoriented and it was cold because you know the house the where we're living in is like a condo and it's very modern it has gardens growing on all the tops of all of the um buildings here in order to obviously keep the heat down and then if people fly over they don't see houses or a golf resort i mean they see the golf greens but they don't see houses they see they see gardens which is really cool and um Anyway, my house has our place, condo, what have you, has a fireplace and it has radiators. But when my landlord showed me the radiators, he said, now these are natural gas radiators and you can use them and you can turn it on. But just warning you that we've heard that it's 300 euros every two weeks to keep this place warm. And I went, okay, we'll just keep those off then. So, um, I've had them on for a few days, but I really haven't had to have them on since then. We ordered firewood, and I had um, a ton of firewood, literally a ton, delivered for $150, which included stacking it, and it was mixed hardwood and softwood, and Doug actually even started a fire tonight. But at that point, Doug wasn't here yet, because, here's the other part of this story, I had gotten notice while we were crossing the ocean that my visa had been approved and I'm on a digital nomad visa. It's a two year visa and so is Doug's and I needed basically all the same stuff that he did but they processed it faster. And Doug's is a D7 passive income visa because he's retired and not working here. So they took a while for that to to get approved. And, um, you know, to give them lots of credit, they are overwhelmed with requests, uh, and they have switched immigration departments in Portugal. It's gone from one department to another in the past year, and I think there was some backup, all of that. But it was nerve-wracking for both of us, because obviously we were worried that his wouldn't get approved for some reason, and we also weren't expecting for him to have to stay in the U.S., For so long, I was hoping that he'd be able to come over as soon as mid-January. But it also turned out that I needed to go back anyway, because your visa is a sticker in your passport, essentially, and you need that in order to enter the country to start the visa and to enter legally underneath those visa. You can come, obviously, as a U.S. citizen for up to 90 days in the Schengen area of, of Europe, without a visa. So you can come as a tourist, no problem. But because we are becoming residents, and we're staying for a longer time period, we needed to have the correct visa in our passport. And so finally, towards the end of January, when we still really hadn't heard, although I, you know, I kept emailing the Boston consulate to try to find out, I got notice that um, Doug's visa was approved and I booked my tickets to go back to Boston and get Doug and sell our van and get the visas and say hi to family and kind of clear up a few loose ends before we both could enter Portugal together. So those first two weeks that I was here, because I don't have a car and we still don't, I survived through getting ride shares and I'm so glad I did because I learned so much about the country and I made some incredible friends and uh, it's, it was a real blessing in disguise. And um, so in Portugal, it's more common to use Bolt than it is common to use Uber, basically the same thing. So if you come to Portugal, I'd say download the Bolt app because um, it seemed to be easier and less costly than using uber and they're not always asking you for tips and stuff which tips is a whole other topic which i'll go over another time but um also during those two weeks um a friend from lisbon who is a listener and has helped us in so many ways came and took us on took me on a tour of the area of the beaches in the area and it was just so fantastic uh i the The food we had was great that day. The sun was beautiful, the ocean waves, all the things, all the historical places that we got to see. It was a really magical day. So I was telling all of Doug all about that and trying to get him prepared and excited. And, and, you know, it took it, it took its toll on him waiting. And fortunately he was with his brothers and sister-in-law and they all treated him so well and you know, he, he was safe. So I, I felt good about that. But um I know he was really wanting to be with me and it was hard. So that said, it's over now. We are back here together. We um, did sell our van. So we are officially uh, car ownerless. And that has been an adjustment mentally, I'd say more than anything. And especially because we live in a place that doesn't really have public transportation. So We bought bikes and, um, I, we are planning to use those for a lot of situations and then use ride shares and public transportation and car rentals, sort of a mix of all three for a while until we kind of get used to the lay of the land and see where it is that, um, you know, whether we stay here long-term or not, um, the place that we're at is, um, lovely. It's a resort. It's a golf resort. And so obviously there's tennis and there's golf and there's swimming pools everywhere. And that brings me to my list of things that I love about Portugal, things that we love about Portugal, things that have surprised and shocked us and things that we're looking forward to. So on the list of things that we love, it is super green here right now. And Living in Montana during the winter, it's mostly white, sometimes brown, but mostly white. And that can be really hard mentally to get through every single year. It felt like by May every year, it felt like I'd gone through a struggle or a fight just to get through the winter. And it has been so lovely to be in a milder climate, even though, yes, it will dip down into the 40s and they are having an unseasonably warm winter. I think they've had, I don't know how many months it has hit record highs here, but um, it's definitely been more like spring weather, according to my neighbor and other uh, Portuguese citizens that I've talked to. This is unseasonably warm. However, I'm not going to lie, I'm enjoying it. (laughs) Um, It's rained off and on. It's been beautiful skies off and on. Uh, it's been windy off and on but in general much easier for me to deal with than snow and blizzards and we've basically been able to be outside every single day so that i have absolutely loved i love the greenery i i love the forests around us um which i'll get to in another time we're talking about eucalyptus forests and uh they're non-native to portugal so there's some um, different thoughts about them. Let's put it that way. But still it's, it's neat and interesting to have a forest basically right a block from me. There's trails and, um, I can get to the ocean fairly easily from here. So that's been lovely. Um, number two, and probably I should have put as number one is, are the people. I mean, people talk about this, but people here are truly kind in ways that you would just not even imagine. So I knew that going in, and I'm still, I'm, I'm still blown away by it. Maybe I should have put this in the shocked and surprised category, because it is almost shocking. Like, Doug got motion sickness when we were driving in to Caldes Storena with a Bolt driver. And he said in French, because I don't think he didn't know the word in Portuguese and our driver said he spoke both French and Portuguese. He said arrete I think, which is stop in French. Anyway, he said the word for stop in French and asked to get out of the car and the driver stopped, like really stopped right in the entryway of a roundabout <laughs> and Doug was thinking, oh, he'd find another place to stop that would be a little bit less conspicuous, but he stopped. Doug got out, I knew he wasn't feeling well, but I didn't know what was going on, and I just told the driver in the Portuguese that I had that he had a medical condition, which also didn't help, but pretty soon, all three of us were standing by the side of the road while Doug is trying not to get sick next to the side of the road, and I'm telling the driver, pointing to my stomach, and saying, you know, Doug's a little sick, and the driver starts to gather herbs, like, gather some sort of plant by the side of the road. And he keeps saying to me, Malva, Malva, and like I should know what that is. And I'm like, I got nothing, you know? So I pull out my phone and then he pulls out his phone and he shows me. And Malva is marshmallow root, which I do know is an a common herb to help settle the stomach. And apparently it grows wild here. So he gathered a bunch for us. I put it in a bag. No, I did not steep it later as he instructed to make a tea for Doug because as, as much as I trust taxi drivers that I've never met before, I'm not quite ready to boil greens that I just found on the side of the road. But That said, I might go out and try to find some marshmallow root at some point. I've also had people tell me that that would be good for Loki's stomach too. So I know, I know it's an incredible herb and he was so nice. He wasn't like mad at Doug for getting sick or upset about the situation. He truly wanted to help us and he told in his broken of a English and Portuguese conversation that we had, he told us all about how, you know, he had gotten sick and went to the hospital and nothing could help him and then he used a tea of marshmallow root and it cured his stomach problems. So and he kept saying two days, two days is all. That was really remarkable. I mean, just a remarkable act of a kindness. Our other Bolt driver has become a good friend, as well as someone who, who helps us a lot. He has, He's fluent in English, and he drove me to the airport and picked us up from the airport. He drove Loki and I to a vet appointment. Um, he's taken me several times into caldez And then yesterday, he and his girlfriend took us to Nazare to see... The big waves. The one of the reasons why we wanted to move to Portugal was to experience the power of the ocean, and specifically off of the coast of Nazaré, where waves have gotten to um, close to a hundred feet. And yesterday was the biggest series of waves that they've had since 2022. I don't know exactly how big they were, but they were talking about them being 50 feet. And they were huge. And it was an experience of a lifetime. I'm going to do a YouTube and an essay on it. Uh, I totally love Nazare. It was just a beautiful experience from beginning to end. And that was because I got to meet Miguel as my bolt, bolt driver. And then he shared his business card with me. And then you know it just kind of went from there and he's just been incredibly kind and reasonable all the prices have been reasonable. then a third example I would say is Daniel who sold us our our e-bikes. He was really concerned about selling us a bike that had the best value. Now a lot of times salespeople in the US are interested in making the highest commission and I know because I'm in sales myself and so it's sort of taught to you well you want to just want to sell the biggest package. Now, I don't do that myself. Obviously, I don't consider that ethical, but that is in general how we're we're primed to consider things. We're also primed to consider the thing that costs the most is probably the best. And my experience here in a lot of different ways has been people trying to advise me to, to choose the product that gives you the most value for the price. And instead of, you know, advising us to buy the most expensive bikes, he was like, well, you know, what do you want your bikes for? And we said both mountain biking and road biking. And he said, okay, you need a hybrid bike. We have a promotion on these bikes that, um, you know, they're normally this amount and they have a huge discount right now. In the end, that bike didn't end up, we couldn't get the right, um, step through, for Doug on that bike so I got one of them but Doug's getting a different one but he tried really hard and he was so great he brought our bikes up here um you know 20 minutes delivered them without a charge and um has been phenomenal so those types of situations have reminded me just how wonderful it is to experience kindness in a foreign land and I will say, too, that you can experience a lot of kindness in the U.S. Uh, It's just a different, uh, more, I'd say, more aggressive type of culture. But when we were in Boston, we kept getting lost and people gave us directions and were so nice and kind. And so I feel like if you're open to it, you'll always attract kindness and kind people in your life. It's not just different countries, but in general, what I have found here is that it's sort of Over the top. I love it. It's been great. Um, So those are three things that I've loved. Three things that have shocked or surprised me or I realized, okay, I got to deal with this is one is dampness. So Montana is an extremely dry climate. In fact, we were so dry, you know, sometimes we would dip below 30% humidity in our house and It's actually not good to go too low, either one way or the other, humidity in your house. And, but we have, we had a very, very dry climate and, you know, that meant you deal with a a lot of cracked hands and feet and you're constantly moisturizing yourself and putting eye drops in your eyes and all of that. So there, there are problems that come with dryness and there are problems that come with dampness. And I, you know, I knew it would be more humid here. I knew I was going to a place close to the ocean, but climbing into bed at night and feeling my sheets feel damp, oh, that was a hard one, I got to admit, was like weird to be semi-wet in bed. <laughs> and I couldn't figure out the washer dryer and how to dry clothes properly at first. Um, so we have a combo washer dryer, and at first I thought it was just a washer, In Europe, those are very common. They don't outvent, so uh, I joke that it's like a hot damp. When you put the dry, uh, the dry cycle on, you get your laundry out, and you're like, "This really isn't dry. It's just hot and damp." But, <laughs> but um, the Portuguese have wonderful traditions of hanging their laundry out to dry, and. I don't know if it's even allowed on this golf resort, but I've been using, um, I haven't done it outside, but I have been drying our clothes in front of the windows where we get a really nice, um, sunlight to come in during the day. And that's helped quite a bit, but the sheets are cotton that I have on the bed and I have spent an inordinate amount of time thinking about fabrics (laughs) since I got here, (laughs) um, yeah cotton has not been my friend. it's um normally has been my friend in a dry climate it's 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 just lovely. It's crisp and easy to handle, but here it feels like I can't ever quite get it dry enough. Wool has been great, so I have a wool sweater that I wear all the time. that has been easy. um I recommend wool uh we have a wool blanket on our bed and we have um a typical down duvet and we were fortunate our place is furnished and it came with all of our bed linens and everything so I'm just super happy that we have all that but that said I have purchased some different sheets I decided to try out bamboo sheets because I hear that they are the most moisture wicking and I may try out a set of linen sheets as well I'm going to stay away from cotton for now um, and polyester and other non-breathable fabrics, but I'll let you know how that goes. And we bought a dehumidifier as well and bought some things to draw the moisture out of the air so that we don't have any mold problems at our house, because I understand that that is an issue at a lot of places in Portugal is mold. So, you know, if you're moving over here, this one thing to consider is just good house care um, is taking care of the moisture levels in your house, wherever you're renting, whatever you're doing. And um, that has helped tremendously. I've finally gotten the humidity down from 90% inside of the house to in the 70s. In our bedroom, I think I got it to the lowest I got it to was 67%. Um, so that was something that surprised me, uh, quite a bit. And, (laughs) um, let's see here how, oh, internet service. So boy, this is a long story in and of itself. Part of, what we did to get here was to hire a relocation service. We' were working with Relocate to Portugal. They have been awesome to work with. They helped us through every step of the process. and we still have we still have some things left to go, which I'll mention in a little bit. Um, but one of the things that they one of the services that they offered was helping you get your utilities transferred into your name. And because our utilities were not covered in our rent, we needed to do that. And so they were awesome. I got the electricity and the gas in my name and got the process started for internet. But two things happened. One, my SIM cards for our phones, which also triggered our internet and fiber service, kept getting returned to the people here who were helping us because I wasn't here yet, so I hadn't signed the paperwork, and I didn't realize that mail does not come to my house. It goes to the Condominium Association, and I have to go pick it up there. So they kept returning the SIM cards. So, in my American fashion, I thought, I'm just going to take care of this. I'm going to go into town and talk to a Vodafone representative in person and get this sorted out because I was feeling impatient and frustrated. I was paying a lot of money for internet service from the US, $50 every four days. And I was working and I needed it right away when I got here. And they kept saying that because I didn't have the SIM cards and because there wasn't fiber installed on my street or something, there was going to be a delay in internet installation. So I went to what I thought was an official Vodafone store. It looked like a Vodafone store. There were colors, colors. The people were wearing uniforms. They had the Vodafone products on the walls. And I asked about our contract and they said, we can't talk to you because it's in your husband's name. And they said, but you can start your own contract. So <laughs> I got my own contract only to find out later that they have the same problems that the other people would have with the fiber. And they aren't real Vodafone. It's not a real Vodafone store. It's like fake I don't even know how to describe this other than there are there are real places and then there are agents and I got a contract through an agent and that messed a whole lot of things up to the point that I was getting whatsapp text messages from Doug's representatives saying you must cancel this immediately it will become a bureaucratic nightmare (laughs) which made me laugh because I'm like bureaucratic nightmare and Other people have said, no, you don't laugh at that. You do not want to be in a bureaucratic nightmare. So fortunately, we canceled the contract that I started, but it delayed a whole lot of things. And we still don't have fiber service. Another Bolt driver, here's another example of kindness, heard my story and took me to a hotspot store that I am pronouncing meow, but I think it's pronounced mayo. It's meo anyway I, I I just thought it was funny because it looks like meow, it looks the branding kind of looks like almost like hello, kitty so he took me in there, he translated for them. I got a wireless hotspot, which is what I've been using since then for sixteen dollars a month. well I bought the equipment for for forty nine euros and then it's sixteen euros a month on the contract that I'm on so <laughs> I was very fortunate, and then I also bought Starlink because I was really getting super frustrated that first week, and I just returned that. I didn't even open the box because it was huge, and I didn't want to have to run cords into the house and all of that, but this is a really big deal if you work online and you're considering moving here and you're a digital nomad, try to figure some of this stuff out beforehand because Yes, it's expensive. And I didn't even think about having a hotspot, but hotspots are pretty, very reasonably priced here. And that would be my suggestion is to get one of those first while you're waiting for everything to be installed. And we'll find out on Monday when our internet and TV and that sort of thing is installed. We don't have TV right now, which is great. I don't even know if we'll turn on the television other than We want to watch some things in order to learn Portuguese more quickly. Um, We're getting there, but it's still kind of a mystery to me. It's a lot of memorization and I'm, it's obviously, I mean, I've only been here a little while. This is a full entire language. So I've got the basics down. Um, A lot of the basics, numbers and counting and, you know, giving somebody money and change back is still a bit of a challenge but having a conversation that goes beyond how are you and the weather is are my next my next step and um yeah it was surprised me how many people speak English fluently and also how many people don't so I say follow English which means do you speak English and I'd say it's about 50-50 um with people who say and Oftentimes, people who are fluent will say, a little, and then they speak com- wonderful English, probably better than mine. So they're being quite humble, a little. And I had a, a Vodafone representative that I talked to who used to live in the United States and had a very clear accent. And When we were in Nazareth yesterday, I could have sworn the owner of the restaurant who talked to us was American. He had an a american english accent that was just perfect um and he was again so kind and warm and welcome asked us all about montana and told us a great story about how a surfer was in um earlier that day and he had had psychological tests done about the fear levels in his brain and they showed him fearful photos and images things that you know like from horror movies almost this is a big wave surfer and his brain didn't react at all and so the owner of the restaurant was like listen he's it's like he has a disability but he's using it for this incredible skill power he just doesn't have any fear Um, but that's not how most of us um, are you know most of us are born with a lot more fear than that so That was an interesting conversation to have in English with a Portuguese restaurant owner. Very, very fun. Um, So yeah, internet surprised me. The dampness surprised me. Um, Missing a car and dealing with the mindset of that kind of surprised me. I, I had wanted to have an experience where I was not necessarily dependent on a car and Walking a lot more. But this has been a lot of walking. It's been good. I've lost weight. I feel healthier. The food has been so, so good. That should have made my list of loves. Uh, The quality of the food is incredible from everything in the supermarkets. uh, Best supermarkets I've been in my life. Really, really great vegetables, produce, meats, everything. Um, And you can get, you can even get Dunkin' Donuts in the, in Continente, which is one of the stores that we go to. So those are some of the things that um, have surprised me, things that I'm looking forward to. So it's a two-step process to get your long, well, it's a bazillion step process, but a two-step interview process to get your long-term visas. We did one interview in the US, then we got the temporary visas, which are good for a certain period of time, and then we have within that certain period of time to to go get our second interviews. And then after that, we get cards in the mail that basically say we are here legally. And in order to um, get those interviews, we have to go to the north. So uh, my interview is next month, early next month, actually close next week. <laughs> and uh, it's in Viana del Costello, which is the northernmost city or close to the northernmost city in Portugal. So we're renting an electric car and we're going to drive up. It'll be about a three and a half hour drive for us. And then a month later, Doug has his appointment and both appointments have taken quite a bit of paperwork as well to figure out I needed a social security number. Um, We needed to get in private health insurance. We have to have proof of that. And Oh, a number of other things. But um, again, Relocate to Portugal has been really helpful. We had a consultation appointment with them and they went over everything with us. And so I feel like we're going to be well prepared for it. It's all, it's all working out, which is my motto. Everything works out. Um, what else am I looking forward to? Oh, my friend Maria, who is a subscriber to this podcast and to... Substack and a longtime friend of ours from Livingston, Montana is coming to Portugal and she's coming in April and we're going to get to explore the country together. We're probably going to go north and to Evra, Evra. I still don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Um, and possibly Sintra, definitely Lisbon, um, some places around here. So, I'm really looking forward to seeing the country through the eyes of friends and family who come as well. It's a good excuse for us to travel. And um, I'm also looking forward to summer here. I know it's only February, but um feels like Spring slash summer are really around the corner and I know it's just going to be incredibly beautiful and the fruit and everything, the produce is just going to get even better. So I can't wait for that and I can't wait to see more of my friends here in country that uh, some who I've only met online, some who um, I've met in person already and I just haven't gotten to spend enough time with them yet. So that's going to be amazing to get to spend more time with all the people that we love, so we've we just feel um, so grateful to be here. It feels surreal in a lot of ways because we hadn't been to Portugal before and done a lot of research. and it's lived up to every single expectation and more. Doug loves it. People have asked a lot what his opinions are. and um, pretty much the same as mine loves the food, loves the people. He's quite dedicated to learning Portuguese and really had the day of his life yesterday watching big waves and big wave surfing. So if you would like to subscribe to my weekly essays, uh, please do so. Come on over to Substack. It's JanelleHolden.substack.com. You can get a free subscription. You can get a paid subscription. Um, Either one hopefully will be fairly entertaining. Um, The paid people, I keep fiddling with all the perks, but um, I'm going to be offering some really cool things. I'm working on a free course. People have asked me, how did you get to Portugal? So I'm writing a series, a two-week series of emails. There are 10 emails that are going to teach you everything that I learned or not, maybe not everything, but a fairly good synopsis. So pretty soon that will be available to you. And I will put those in the show notes as well. And if you subscribe to my Substack, you can, you'll find out about that as soon as it's ready. Um, I've got more YouTube coming as well, and I am planning to do some travel and tour itineraries for people too. So lots to come. I've got, uh, you know, a full-time work as well as doing this. So I apologize that it's been a lot of kind of ups and downs. Oh, and I have a really great podcast coming out that I did with my friend Emily who went to Italy last fall and she shared a lot of wisdom in it. I just haven't had time to edit it yet, but that should be coming out soon as well. And I'm going to go back to my Substack essays and read them and fill in the gaps here in the podcast. So in case you want to hear the entire journey, which has taken us, um, Well, since July of 2022 was when we first started the process of moving ourselves to Portugal. So it's been a while and I am so glad that we did and I miss so many people and I love so many people in the United States and I hope they all come to visit and I want them all to know that we're very happy, very, very happy here and very thankful for all the help that we got on the way. Thank you all for listening. I hope this has been um, fun and entertaining. And, oh, I'll I'll end this with my new joke, which I wrote an essay about people always asking me in the U.S., why are you moving to Portugal? And all the answers that I gave. And after having been here and really not seeing anything but the grocery store for a while, (laughs) I have a new answer. Why did you move to Portugal? to go to the grocery store. (laughs) Because I've been doing that a lot. And the grocery stores here are pretty awesome. So I hope you have a great rest of your day. Please leave a comment if you'd like to uh, say, you know, any other tips, anything about anything I've shared. Certainly correct me if you feel like I've been wrong. Uh, I don't have an editor on these. This is mostly what I have fact-checked myself or heard from Portuguese citizens. So uh, I apologize if there's anything that I said in this that uh, may be incorrect. I do my best to try to share everything that I know that is right on point. Um, But let me know if I got anything wrong. And also, if you have any tips or you want to share a comment, I would love to hear that. You can do that over on Substack pretty easily. And uh, I will be out with another podcast very soon. Thanks for listening in. Bye-bye.